welcome to um, Make It Make Sense. This is now the second episode that I'm going to do where I'm giving kind of a personal update on this cancer healing journey that I'm on. Um, I even took notes to bring so I wouldn't miss anything. There's been certainly a lot of stuff that's happened. It's been actually almost exactly a month since the other one released. So lots of things happen in a month's time. Um, so thanks for tuning in for anyone who's kind of following along in this journey. Lots of updates. Um, so first of all, I, I shared last time that chemo had been added on to my treatment plan. And um, I was having lots of anxiety about losing my hair. Um, I, I think probably everyone would have lots of anxiety, especially women probably would have anxiety about losing your hair. Um, especially just, I mean, besides the vanity part of it and just not wanting to, you know, be bald, um, you know, the, I've really tried pretty hard to stay normal and keep everything kind of status quo. So, you know, not to freak my kids out and not to worry them more than necessary in this process. And so I feel like, you know, I, I look, as I have, I act as I have, there hasn't really been a ton of change. And if I suddenly don't have hair, that would be shocking to them and probably upsetting and, you know, worry them a lot more in this process. So someone had mentioned to me about cold capping. So cold capping is quite a process. It essentially are, there are these cold caps that you wear the entire day of treatment and um, they have to be pretty cold. Like you have to do all of this with dry ice and you have to change them out every 15 minutes. And it's definitely expensive. And it's also kind of a beating to, um, to do this process, but it's something that I kind of researched and decided that it would be worth it to me. Um, but you know, the hair thing being such a big part of this, um, I also kind of in anticipation of treatment decided to cut my hair off. So um, you can't tell now because it's back, but it's, you know, pretty short, like, you know, above my shoulders. And I don't love my hair short because it's naturally curly. So um, my thought was kind of that if, you know, it's not as heavy, there might be less fall. So I decided to chop it all off um, and did that and feel like, you know, that was a necessary part of the process for me. But I also feel like throughout this entire process, there are continuously people or things that are kind of put in my path that I need at that moment. And that particular day, I was talking to my hairdresser about um, cold capping and how I was, you know, a little bit stressed out because it was going to be, was going to require a lot of work on the people around me because you can't, really do cold capping on your own. You have to have someone there to actually change out your caps because it is quite a process. And while you're hooked up to the IV for chemo, it's not like you can move around and do all the work that it requires. So, you know, a lot of it was going to fall on my mother-in-law who is probably an actual angel sent from heaven. She's the kindest person ever and she would never complain about it, but I just felt like it would be a lot on her. It would be a lot on my mom. And I was having a lot of anxiety about adding all of this extra workload to other people. And the hairdresser 
Lindsay, um, who I've been going to for a, a few years now, she actually said something that I really needed to hear in that moment. Um, she said, you know, you shouldn't feel like you're going to be a burden because you're about to bless these people just as much as they're going to bless you. Like when you're able to help someone that you care about, it is a blessing in your life as well. So you shouldn't feel as if you're going to be a burden. And that was so helpful to hear that in that moment. And it was really um, just, she was put there and I, I went to go have my hair cut off, I feel like, so I could hear that because I really was having a tremendous amount of anxiety. So um, cut my hair, planned on cold capping, like had all of that delivered. That's a whole other, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but then I had to have the port placement and I I'll try to show it like this is the scar. And I don't know if you can tell really on camera, but you can kind of see when you're here, there's like a lump. It's like my port. So that's where they will like intravenously put the IV in and you'll have the chemo treatment. So that was another surgery knocked out for it. It's, it's not a very long procedure. Um, not a tremendous amount of pain after, but there was pain and, and now I don't feel it at all, but for several days or weeks after, like, I guess it takes a while to kind of settle. And so I definitely would, if I moved certain ways, I could feel it. It just is not comfortable. Um, they told me, one of the doctors told me that some people choose to like leave their port in forever. I personally can't wait until my port is not there. So I don't know why anyone would want to keep this forever, but it doesn't, it's not painful anymore, but it's just irritating. It's, it's, it's something else in your body that wasn't supposed to be there. So I don't love it. Um, but you know, I, the, the idea of adding chemo on was definitely, um, upsetting to me for so many reasons. I mean, I don't feel sick, so I didn't want to feel sick. Um, and just scary. I mean, everything we see on TV is really scary when you see people going through chemotherapy. And so I was not looking forward to that. And I went back and forth and grappled with it a lot. And I think what I arrived at is my truth is that, you know, based on this, the prognosis and how everything that I knew up to that point, like if I didn't have children, I wouldn't go through chemotherapy. I, I don't think it's something that I would do. Um, there's not any guarantee that it works. There's in my situation, everybody's situation, there's not any guarantee that it is necessary. Um, but my thought was, you know, if there's a 1% chance that it will keep me around, I owe that to my children to be here for them. And so that's the reason that I'm doing it. But I, I, you know, until I uttered it in a conversation where I said, you know, if I didn't have children, I wouldn't be doing this until I said the words aloud. I didn't know that that's how I felt, but I now know that that's absolutely how I felt. Like I wouldn't, it's not something I would do if I didn't have kids, but here I am. And so, um, you know, lots of things in anticipation of getting ready for chemo and just, you know, I'm such a person that likes to have control. Like I 
I like to plan out and control every part of my existence. And that's been a really hard part of this process is that so many other people are in charge of what you're doing and kind of your journey and you don't have any say in it. And that's been really challenging for me. And I, you know, am a, I'm just a planner and there's so much of this that you can't plan for. You don't know after treatment, how sick you're going to be, um, you know, and, and for me, I'm taking all of this so seriously because I'm, I never intend to do this again. So like, I want to be healthy and make whatever changes I need to and go through this once, only once. I, I mean, I obviously don't even want to be doing it this once, but here I am. And I am intending to only do this one time in my lifetime. So I am trying to stay really healthy, not just like more activity and eating better and things like that, but trying to stay away from illness because any kind of illness can delay the treatment, which can lengthen this process. And honestly, six months of treatment is already six months too long as far as I'm concerned. So I don't want to delay it by even a day. As soon as I found out that these were the things we were going to do, I wanted to zoom ahead so I could zoom ahead to the finish line. And so I am taking it really seriously. Like I now am masked again. So like I'm wearing like COVID masks again when I'm out in public, which is really hard to get back in the habit of. Um, I forget often I have to go back to my car to get it. I mean, I'm not really out that much. I'm kind of staying pretty at home and pretty insular, but I am cognizant of wearing a mask when I am out in the world. If I can't wear a mask, just for whatever reason, I even have like a personal like air purifying device that I wear. So it's supposed to clean the air around you again, just to keep infection away from you. If I'm at the office and there are other people around, I have like a little purifier that sits on my desk. So I can, again, kind of cleanse the air in my area because I really don't intend to get sick or to delay this process at all. So, um, the, the whole process I feel like of treatment is such an out of control feeling. So I'm attempting to control all the things that I can, you know, and, and for someone who dislikes medicine as much as I do, um, I like really a, a big step for me, a big pl a place that I was forced to, but like took the step and was realizing like this chemo anticipation was causing so much anxiety for me that I almost couldn't see straight. Like I was almost making myself sick. And, you know, the doctor would say to me, like, I feel like we just need to get started because you're working this up to be so much more in your head than it probably will be when it's happening, which is so easy probably for someone to say that doesn't have to go through it. But I mean, also he does see a lot of people that has to go through it, so, that have to go through it. So, um, but I was having so much anxiety that I actually went and asked for some anxiety medication. Like I was so anxious and, and like a huge part of my attempting to stay healthier or be healthier in this process is not being stressed. And so it's kind of ironic how much stress this brings into your life that is unwanted. Um, and so for the first time ever in my life, I felt like I 
needed some medication to help. So that was like a really, really big step for me to ask for help in that way or to like admit that I might need some assistance. That's not very Lori-like. So, you know, that was kind of a a new new thing for me. Um, You know, I think part of my stress, besides just what you hear about on TV about chemotherapy or whatever, um, is like, you know, in the category of dumb things that people say to you. Um, If I had one more person say to me, the treatment, the chemo that I was getting was also known as red devil. I was going to scream like what a terrible thing to say to someone who's about to go through this process to say to them, yeah, that's also called the red devil because it's just that terrible. And that's essentially what people said to me multiple times, like terrible. So the therapy, the, the chemotherapy that I'm having is called ACT. Um, so it's four treatments over a two month period. So they're every other week for the first two months. And that's the red devil part of it. It's really supposed to be the most terrible, I guess, sickish you're going to be. It's a very aggressive treatment. And again, I was told by the doctors that I'm getting that treatment because I'm healthy and can handle it. So like if I were in poor health or I were a lot older, they would not choose this regimen, but because I can handle it, they're going to throw everything they can at it. So the first four treatments are over two months every other week. And then after that, it's 12 weeks. So it's a total of 16 treatments, um, 12 weeks of treatment every single week. So it's a lot. Um, but once I had set my sights on it and that this is what I was going to do, I just was kind of charging forward. So in anticipation of my first treatment, I also went to have a Reiki healing session. Now, if you listen to the podcast that had Garnet Griebel um, as the guest, she's a wealth of information as far as like alternative treatments and crystals and, you know, alternative healings go. And she had suggested a Reiki healing session. And I really didn't have a ton to go off of other than what she had shared with me, but I was intrigued. Um, and so I found a person local here in Allen, um, where the office is and her name's Billy and she was outstanding. Um, booked an appointment with her and she spent a ton of time with me kind of talking through like how I got there and giving me some different things that I could consider. Um, but I think what I appreciated the most is, you know, she said, I'm not here to like talk you out of whatever you've decided. Like you seem like you're pretty, um, comfortable with the decision you made. So now I'm just going to help you try to charge up your battery as much as you can. So you can be strong and get through this next five months of your life. And so we did a Reiki healing session. And so for those of you who don't know, um, it's all about like everything in the world is made up of energy, whether it's an inanimate object or something that's living or plants or bugs or whatever, we're all energy. And there are different energies and chakras in your body. And so it's about cleansing the energy and getting bad energy out of your body. Um, 
and kind of healing on an energy level, I guess I would describe it as. And so, um, you, it's about an hour, but I think she spent about an hour and a half on me. And there were some really cool things that happened. I, I tend to be kind of, um, susceptible. I'm kind of gullible sometimes. Like I want to believe all of these extra things and, and maybe I shouldn't. And, uh, you know, it is also really nice to have some sort of validation when you're in the process. And so, you know, you're laying on a massage table under a sheet, but like fully clothed, but for anybody who's had a massage, same thing. And you're almost kind of in like a meditative state is how I would describe it. Like you're half asleep, half awake, like aware, but not really paying attention if, you know, and you might even kind of doze off at different times, just like you would during a massage, but she's going over your body and dealing with energy and you're just kind of in the process. And what, what kept happening to me, um, I don't know how to describe it other than like at different points, I would have like this kind of puff of air that would come into my mouth and it would kind of puff up my cheek. And then it was almost like someone had poked my cheek to deflate it. And I would breathe out this air. And, and the first time it happened, I was kind of aware, half asleep and like, what was that? That was weird. Oh, well, and just kept like in the process. And it happened probably three or four different times while I was on the table. And then I just kind of filed it away. Like, okay, I'll ask her about that when this is over. And then she, you know, did the whole process and, you know, afterward I'm laying there and she's like, well, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm great. Like, what was that puff of air thing? Like, I, like that's so, that was so interesting. Like I didn't have any control over that. And she said, you know, I said, am I the first person that this has happened to, or is it super common? And she said, well, actually I've had about four or five different clients that that's happened with. And, you know, I didn't even realize it until I'm saying it to you right now, draw this connection, but every single one of them was a cancer patient. And so I said, well, what, what would you describe it as? And she's like, it's essentially just an energy, like expelling, like leaving your body. And so like I was forcing out somehow this, this bad energy. And she said that, um, she spent a lot of time on the left side of my body because it's my left breast that had the cancer. And so she said, she spent a lot of time on the left side to see if she could, there's, there's a certain something that happens in her hands when she's going over cancer or disease of some sort. And she said she didn't have that happen. So like almost kind of confirmed for me what I believe, which is that with the two surgeries, they got all the cancer out. So there is not any cancer in my body, which again, the chemo is preventative or just in case, I guess I should say, in case there's a rogue cell somewhere that's hiding out because cancer can be really tricky. Um, but I had always believed after the two surgeries that the chemo might be overkill might not be totally necessary because the first surgery, they took the tumor and they took five lymph nodes and four of the lymph nodes had cancer. And the second surgery that they went in was to remove the rest of the lymph nodes from the area. 
and they took 17 more. I was wrong about the number the first time. I thought it was five more, but it was actually 17 more and none of them had cancer. So meaning like what I had always suspected is that they got it all really the first time. Second surgery ended up not being necessary, but there's not a way for them to know that until they do it. And they took the rest of it and there wasn't any more cancer. So I've always believed it was gone. And she kind of confirmed that, which is really wonderful to hear, but also kind of terrible to hear right before the day before you go to have chemotherapy that you already are having a lot of anxiety about. You already don't necessarily feel is totally required or necessary. So, but again, once I make my mind up about something, I sort of have a tendency to charge forward. So she said that there was, um, trauma that besides even what I had told her, shared with her, there was trauma and she spent a lot of time trying to get that out and expel it, um, through my feet. And, um, so again, I, have a tent. I want to believe all of this kind of stuff just as who I am. I want to believe in things that we don't understand and other forces that are um, acting on us in the world. Um, it was hands down by far the coolest experience. And I immediately booked two more sessions. Like I planned to go once a month through this process because her focus during our hour and a half or whatever we were together was to recharge my battery, to clear everything out, to get me as, you know, physically ready for what I was going to face as she could. And, um, I'm so glad, so glad that that was recommended to me. I'm glad that I found this person. Um, I will share her information in the notes. So if you are local and you want to talk to her or go see her, I highly recommend it was worth every penny. It was such a cool experience. And, um, I was left wanting more. So that was my Reiki healing experience that I did the day before. So another like part of this cold capping is you have to get like 60 or so pounds of dry ice, which is not that easy to find. And some places you get it, it can be really expensive and you have to get 60 pounds of it to carry through the cold capping experience the day of your treatment. So the day before my treatment, I was, I had appointments with clients. I had the Reiki healing session scheduled. I had to pick up my mom from the airport and I had to get this dry ice and I had to make all of this happen. And the Reiki healing lasted longer and everything was just kind of running behind. And normally, normal Lori like pattern would be to just power through, like put myself in whatever, you know, extra work there was going to be, rush around, everything be hectic, be super stressed. And in, you know, I was super proud of myself that in that day, I just started to feel overwhelmed and like I wasn't going to be able to do it. And and I've definitely felt that before, but normally I would just power through and I would just somehow make it all work. But I was like trying to be Lori 2.0, um, Lori, who's learned something from the experience. And so I said, I just cannot make all of this happen in a way that's not like stressful. So I'm going to ask for help. 
which again is not something I do well. I don't ask for help very well. So I called my mother-in-law and asked her to pick up my mom from the airport. I let clients know that I was running behind and I, you know, communicated as much as I needed to once we got to our call. And I was able to like take some of the pressure off of myself and make everything happen. And so again, it's such like a small thing, but I was so proud of myself again, like asking for anxiety medication, not something that I would normally do. Asking for help in a situation like that, where I feel like I can just muscle through and make everything happen. That's, that's like, that is growth for me to be able to admit that I needed help in the moment and get help. So I was pretty proud of those things as they were happening. So day of chemo comes and um, get the kids off to school and head to the appointment and uh, took an anxiety pill ahead of time in anticipation of, but I was just feeling so overwhelmed by the whole process and really feeling very um, just upset and just anxious. And, um, we get in and the nurse was as nice as can be. And she was kind of explaining how everything's going to go. And I just started crying and she was like, Oh, sweetheart. Like what, what is it? What's, what's upsetting you right now? And I just said, I mean, I couldn't even articulate it. I just said, I just don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be here. And again, hard because I don't 100%, I'm not a hundred percent bought into that. This is totally necessary in my healing, in my treatment, but I'm deferring to the people who have the degrees and are trained in this and trusting what they say, because I love my kids that much, but I just would have rather been anywhere else besides where I was. And so I was super overwhelmed and feeling very just upset and verklempt about the whole process. So cold capping was a great distraction. It is freaking labor intensive. So these are caps that go on your scalp and then have three Velcro straps to hold them tighter. So it's like a cap and then a swim cap on top of it. Three straps, one that goes this way, one that goes this way, and one that goes from chin up. And um, they have to be changed out. Again, because my chemo is red devil and it's the worst, the caps have to be colder and they have to be on longer and they have to be changed out more often. So normally you would be at like a negative 25 to 35 to 30 degrees Celsius, 30, 35 degrees Celsius. Um, they would be on for 20 minutes at a time and you would wear them for 45 minutes before treatment, during treatment, and then for three hours after. Mine have to be negative 40 degrees Celsius changed out every 15 minutes and have to be, um, for a total eight hours for the day. So an hour before during treatment, and then like three or four 
however many hours after treatment. So it's a chore. Um, it's probably something I could do once I got home. I could probably do it on my own, but while you're hooked up to an IV, you absolutely cannot, you have to have someone there that's doing this rotation for you. And so it was almost like every, I would just get into reading my book as a distraction and try to get lost in that. And then it would be time to change it again. And it's definitely a beating. And I'm so grateful to my mom and my mother-in-law who were there to like help with the process as, as we kind of figured it out together and learned it. But the things that I didn't anticipate were, first of all, the, the cold of the cold capping sounds like it would be excruciating. I actually didn't hate it. Like I kind of feel like these days I run really hot. Like even right now, my face is so red and so warm. And so I feel like I'm hot all the time. So I almost kind of enjoyed the cooling effect of the cold capping. So that part wasn't terrible. 15 minutes goes by really fast. So, I mean, if that's four changes an hour for eight hours, that's 32 changes, which is so much and trying to make sure they're at the right temperature and not getting burned by the dry ice and just all of it. But the things I didn't anticipate that were so upsetting or aggravating, I don't even know what the right word is, but that I didn't like about the process are the, the straps themselves. So they have three, three straps that have to go on to kind of hold it as close as it can to your scalp. And I, the one that goes this way, like on my face, I couldn't even talk most of the time. Like it was so tight that like it would hurt my jaw. And, and remember you have this on continuously for eight hours. So you have to eat, drink, anything you're going to do, you're doing with these straps on and these caps on your head. So that's kind of excruciating. And it just made my jaw hurt so much to have that on. So I did not like that. Um, we had to have cap changes in the car um, because where I live to where the hospital is, um, we had to have two changes because we actually ran to pick up lunch when we left. That required a cap change in the parking lot. And then another one, we went to Whole Foods because I wanted to pick up some stuff that I had ordered while I was sitting waiting. And so we went to Whole Foods to pick up groceries. So that required another cap change. And then it actually required a third cap change while we were all, when we almost got home. And I, my mom actually did it while I was driving. So like shout out to Tesla and autopilot for like steering and taking over while we were changing the cap and the straps and all of that on the way home. So we got home and worked through the rest of however many cap changes there were. And then when it was over, you know, she just asked me like, how are you feeling? Like the final cap came off. And I was like, I cried again, just because it was so exhausting. Like the day was so exhausting. I mean, for only sitting there, I was so tired. And and the other thing that I didn't anticipate in this process was how sore my neck was like this entire part of my neck that those caps are really heavy. You know, they're filled with gel that stays cool. And, and not only that, but when she's first putting the cap on and then strapping it, she's pushing it down so hard on my 
head that it's like, it just, my whole neck was really sore. Like I had to take Tylenol and to try to like decompress. Um, so I just cried because I'm like, oh my God, this was one of 16. Like we've done now one treatment of 16 treatments and this is going to be so much. So I felt again, super overwhelmed by the process. So I slept that night, um, welcomed the rest. I was really tired and then woke up the next day. And I, I knew that they, they told me like, I shouldn't really anticipate being sick the first day. So I had a really full day planned. Fridays at work tend to be pretty busy. So I came to work and did a full day and I didn't take any medication because I didn't anticipate not feeling well. Um, slept early that night, like rest has been really welcome. Um, Saturday came, had planned to stay home and the kids were gone. Cause I didn't, if I was going to be really sick, I didn't want them to have to be there for that or experience that. So just kind of laid around and slept and rested and went to bed Saturday night, slept from like six 30 in the evening until six 30 on Sunday morning, started taking nausea medication. Um, but never just kind of felt nauseous, but never really vomited. Um, Sunday I thought would for sure be the day that I would be throwing up all day. Like what we expect with chemotherapy. Um, didn't get sick Sunday, like really tried to stay on top of my meds, um, took two different types of anti-nausea medication when I would start to feel nauseous. I would say that my nausea, like a lot of it felt a lot like pregnancy. Like a lot of my side effects felt like pregnancy where I remember being pregnant and like when I would get nauseous, I would kind of eat to make the nausea subside. And that was really similar to what happened here. I would kind of start to feel nauseous. And if I eat a small something, it will help that go away. So I was able to, through the nausea medication and eating small meals, I, you know, made it through all of Sunday and I still never vomited, which was pretty amazing. Um, the other thing that was like pregnancy is I'm super sensitive to smells. So really just anything that's kind of strong, like perfumes, like even my own perfume, I didn't love. It was just felt like it was too much food smells, like everything just kind of heightened sense of smell. So, um, those things felt very similar to pregnancy really, and, and not feeling well during pregnancy. Um, so made it all through Sunday, never vomited, um, what I, another symptom that I had that was really kind of intense is, and I've never had vertigo, but I'm guessing this is what it's like. If I would stand up the first couple of days, if I would just get up, I would kind of have to steady myself. I felt really super dizzy a couple of days in, if I would bend down, like getting in a cabinet or something dealing with a dog or whatever. And this is even true to this, to today. And we're now almost a week out from having chemo. Um, when I stand up, it, I feel super woozy, like, like things are kind of spinning and I really have to like hold stuff to st like hold on to things to steady myself or try to sit down and kind of 
reorient. And so that's like upsetting, but I mean, that's kind of the worst of it. Um, I've been so fortunate. Like I haven't thrown up yet. Um, I'm now, they say that like a week out is when everything kind of subsides and I've had no vomiting, just the nausea, which I think I handled pretty well with the medication. So, you know, not a horrific experience by any means. Um, I did go to the doctor on Tuesday. They did also, I should say, they put a Nulesta medicine on my arm. So it's, it's a, like a device that has medicine in it and you can put it on your arm or you can put it on your abdomen. I chose my arm and it basically is set. Like they set it for, and 24 hours later, I guess it administers a medication to you. So like they put it on me and they said they were going to set it and they didn't tell me what, what to expect. And then all of a sudden I felt like I'd gotten stapled in the arm. Like I felt something shoot in my arm, which wasn't pleasant, but I'm glad I didn't know it was coming. And now I'm going to have it again. And I do know it's coming. So that sucks. But it shot me in the arm. It was set at a time 24 hours later to give me some kind of medication. And it, and you can see the dial, it says full, and then it says empty. It clears out the medication and then they write down a time for you. That's four hours after that or whatever. And you can take the patch off. Like you can take the device off and throw it away. So what this drug does is it stabilizes your white blood cell count so that you aren't your counts aren't as low because they've just injected you with all this medication. And so it, your white blood cells are what keep you from your immunity. It like keeps you from getting sick. So I had to go Tuesday to have my blood drawn again and to have a post treatment checkup. And my numbers were actually better post chemo than they were right before chemo. So the new Lesta thing worked my blood work looked amazing. Um, I was very afraid and asked the physician's assistant if the fact that I wasn't suffering meant that it wasn't working because that's like my biggest fear. You know, it's like when you work out, I would always feel like, you know, if I did yoga or Pilates and you weren't like super sweaty and heart racing and whatever after your session, that like you weren't really getting a workout because you weren't sweating and suffering. It's kind of like the same mentality. Like I felt like if I wasn't suffering, did it mean that I wasn't, it, it had less efficacy and she assured me that it didn't. And, you know, I, the surgeon said to me the very first meeting we ever had that, you know, Lori, if the fact that you are young and healthy is going to help you through this process. And so I think that, and staying on top of my meds definitely are big factors. But if I had to pinpoint, I mean, I, I don't know if there's one thing, I think it's probably a combination of all of it, but I definitely had some friends who are very Christian and very much pray and talk to God every day. I had them pray over me, um, my friend Brianna and my friend Dakota and I definitely would have to hand this one over to God because I, the, the prayers were always like, please make this be, you know, easy on her. Don't, 
you know, wrap your arms around her. Don't put her, don't let her be in a lot of pain and suffering in this process. And please like hold on to her more tightly. And I don't know what to say about this experience other than there has to be divine intervention. And I give this one to God because it definitely isn't this easy for everyone. And I'm not saying that it's easy. It's it's not a picnic. It's not something that I'd want to do. And I'm not arrogant enough to think they're all going to be like this. I, you know, I, I, my understanding is the medicine kind of cumul accumulates in your body. So it's a cumulative effect. So I might be sick the next time. I hope that I'm not, but I did ask the physician's assistant if this would be kind of indicative of what the whole experience would be like for me. And she said, it should be pretty similar. So I am very hopeful that I make it through these first four treatments and I don't get sick and I'm able to manage all of it, but I definitely feel God's hand in the matter. Um, I definitely think that Reiki healing had a part in it. And I don't, I'm not a person who thinks that God and energy healing are at odds. I know some people believe that. I think that we pretty much know everyone and everything in the world and the universe is energy. So I don't think that those things are at odds. And the Reiki healer even said to me, look, I'm not like creating energy. That's witchcraft. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is responding to the energy that already exists. Um, and so to me, those things can coexist, God and energy healing. And I think they both played a part. I think trying to be healthier for a while now, since this journey has begun, all of the walking and increased water intake and some of the supplements that I've taken, which I can't take anymore. The, the oncologists don't want you to have anything else in your body other than what they tell you. So the only thing that he's allowed me to continue to take, which is hard for me because I am a supplement person I take a lot of supplements. And so the only thing he has allowed me to continue in over the next six months is biotin because that will potentially help with keeping my hair with cold capping. Um, but I can't take any of those things. And so, but I had been, and I have been for a long time. So I think being healthier, eating healthier, all of the walking and exercise and increased water and Reiki, all of it and God, that that's why this was a better experience than some have. So, you know, if I can help anyone with, I don't know what my regimen was that could have affected this, but I will give it to anyone who wants the rule book because it did work out pretty well for me so far. I'm hopeful that the next ones are similar, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, so another thing that's been interesting, I care a lot about words and semantics and, you know, it has been a solace for me in this process to say like, I, I don't have cancer because I currently don't have cancer. Like I'm in cancer treatment because they want to try to prevent it from ever happening again, but I don't have cancer 
it was cut out of my body. And so it, that has brought me peace and happiness to be able to say, I'm not sick. I don't have cancer. We know that it's gone. Um, I'm not a cancer patient. I'm someone who's going through cancer treatment, although it's to try to keep it from ever happening again. And so when people say things to me, and this might just be very, again, Lori and not matter to anyone else, I take a lot of offense to people saying that I have cancer currently or that I am sick or whatever they might say, because I know that I don't. And it, you know, it's such a little thing. It might not matter to people, but it it's a big deal to me. Like I don't even like to utter the words. I did have cancer, don't any longer. Um, and so the people that are close to me, you know, my mom specifically, she's gotten so good at, she'll correct herself when she says like for, for people that have cancer or because you had cancer, like she'll, she'll correct herself in the moment. And I'm so grateful to her. She's, you know, always treading so lightly because my, you never know where my feelings and emotions are going to be in this thing. And she's been more than outstanding. I'm really fortunate, but she'll, she's pretty good about correcting herself um, in the moment because she knows that I get really fired up when people say that I currently have cancer or talk about me as being sick because I don't have cancer currently and don't ever intend to have it again. And I am not sick. So yeah, it's such a weird little something, but it's just been like big with me. Um, so yeah, I mean, we are a week out tomorrow will be one week and you know, the only thing that they've added to this whole regimen is they gave me like a, it's almost like a Dramamine patch that I can wear to try to help with the feelings of like vertigo or whatever the woozy kind of thing is. Um, so I'm going to add that and hope that it makes the difference and that I can breeze through the next several, but I'm a week out from having my second treatment. So I'm sure I'll do another update in a month. Um, but lots of things have happened and lots of great people have come in my path in this process in the past month. And, you know, people have said things to me at the right times. And I feel like there's the universe is at play to help me get through all of this and learn the lessons I'm supposed to learn and be victorious on the other side. So that, that has been the story for the past month. Thanks for updating and listening. And, and again, like if, if there's anyone who is going through this or is on a similar journey and wants to talk through it, like, I feel like I'm supposed to communicate these things that I'm learning to make it easier on someone else who might be in the same process. So please reach out. Like, um, as much as I don't enjoy talking about cancer, I try not to talk about it. I feel like giving it more air is 
not good. I don't love it. But if it's to teach someone something or help someone in the process, I am all about it because this is a journey that helps to have people. Um, I definitely feel more loved and cared about than I ever would have thought of before. I mean, not that I felt unloved, but just it's such a reminder of the people that are affected by it. And, you know, because this tragic, potentially horrific event happens, they find more reason to tell you they care about you. And I definitely find more reasons to tell the people that I care about that I do. And so if I can help someone in that process, please reach out because it can feel kind of lonely and it can feel again, like a scarlet letter that you're wearing. And, um, I think people try to empathize, but until you're walking through this, you just can't imagine some of the feelings and, and things that come up. So, you know, if you need to talk to someone about it, let's talk about it and let me try to help you. I don't have all the answers. Um, but I learn more every day and I would love to share that with anyone who's on a similar journey and needs some guidance. So that is it. Thank you for listening to this update. Thanks for listening to make it make sense. I am trying to make it make sense, this journey of healing and trying to pick up the lessons that I'm supposed to along the way. So I appreciate you for being um, I appreciate you being a part of it and um, I'll keep you updated. So that's it. Take care. Um, like, subscribe, do all the things so you get updates and you can hear the next one. And that's it. Hope you're well. Take care.